Hi, I'm Aaron Ironside. Hope you'll join me for the next half an hour as we take a look at some social issues that are affecting people all around us. And unfortunately, we live in a world where you may not hear a lot of balance and mostly some bias. And today's issue is a case in point where the cultural narrative says that the only thing that's important is that people from the LGBTQ community are given preferential treatment after all the years that they've been so poorly treated but has the pendulum swung too far what about athletics where transgender people now want to compete against those who are born with different biological bodies that's the topic in which we need to engage some active intelligence On today's episode, I caught up with researchers Dr. Tara Knox and Associate Professor Lindley Anderson from Otago University. They're two of three researchers who've worked together on a discussion paper for the Olympics on how to deal with the issue of transgender athletes at the elite level and how to deal with the biological advantage for transgender women that is so great that female athletes are saying, hey, hold on, we can't win against somebody born in a male body although it's complicated of course because everybody wants to participate in sport and we don't know how to deal with this complex issue but suffice to say that uh, even female athletes are saying this is too far i can't win against somebody born in a male body madison kenyon is a university athlete from colorado who's really coming out against this issue and saying this is a new kind of unfairness I just love like the ability to like go out there and compete and I'm a really competitive person. Running is in the blood of Madison Kenyon, the Colorado native from Johnstown, runs women's track and cross country at Idaho State University. But there was a problem. I competed against um, a biological male and they beat me. Madison lost to Jude Eastwood, the first transgender student athlete to compete across country in Division One at the University of Montana. Madison and her teammate Mary Marshall believe losing to Eastwood was unfair since Eastwood was born a male. When you look at a lot of the facts and how a male body develops um, through puberty and like all the advantages that they have biologically up on females that it really bugged me. How would you see as something that's fair for, if I was a transgender athlete, what would be fair for me in order to compete in a sport? Well, I would say that as a biological male, biological males should compete against biological males, and biological females should compete against biological females. But the American Civil Liberties Union disagrees. They challenged the Women's Sports Act and asked for the NCAA to move all of its events out of the state, claiming the law blatantly targets an already marginalized community in athletics and decreases their participation in sports. But that's not how Madison views it. I feel like when girls talk about this, they get a lot of backlash, and it and it shouldn't be like that because this is just promoting fair competition. We just want to have the opportunities that Title IX is supposed to protect to us. Many of us will be very sympathetic to Madison's plight. It's an unfortunate reality that inclusion of transgender women means giving them an advantage that many female athletes know they can't possibly overcome. When it comes to the 100 metres, for example, uh, the 10,000 fastest men on the planet, including some high school students, can run faster than the very fastest woman. It's just a reality that our bodies are different, our muscle uh, componentry is different, and a male body 
is faster than a female body. Caitlyn Jenner is coming under fire for remarks she made about transgender athletes. Jenner, who transitioned after an Olympic gold medal career, says she doesn't think trans girls should be allowed to compete in female sports. Those comments are drawing fire as several states now try to ban trans girls from competing. Here's ABC's Zareen Shah. Tonight, California gubernatorial hopeful Caitlyn Jenner giving this controversial statement to TMZ on trans legislation. So there's legislation in various states to ban biological boys who are trans from playing girls sports in school. What's your opinion on that? Question of fairness. That's why I oppose biological boys who are trans competing in girls sports in school. It just isn't fair. Although apparently our Olympic team does not understand that or agree as Laurel Hubbard has just been announced as our first transgender athlete despite having this clear biological and strength advantage. But I must admit I do feel for transgender athlete JC Cooper who felt like she had done everything the authorities had asked her to do. She had done all the tests, she kept her testosterone levels at a certain level uh, but unfortunately the authorities have said yeah but the biological advantage is still too extreme but I understand that that is a very confusing and painful message for someone who's just trying to play by the rules. Yeah and it says that request has been denied. Male to female transgenders are not allowed to compete as females in our static strength sport as it is a direct competitive advantage. What was your reaction? Disappointment and also like not being surprised entirely because of the way that trans women and trans feminine people are treated in, in sports. Do you think it's fair for you to compete in the women's category? Absolutely. Why? Why not? I followed all the rules leading up to competing and like my own beliefs aside, like that should be enough. This is, this is what happens, right? When trans people meet all the rules, they'll just establish more rules to govern our bodies and like our participation in society and in sport. I am not without sympathy for JC Cooper and for transgender athletes. People who are into athletics, into sport, they want to participate. It's just not clear. How do you deal with this? It used to be so simple. We used to have just male and female, but now uh, the transgender community have introduced a kind of complexity that, frankly, we're, we're not ready for. And because, of course, the guiding narrative of the culture is inclusion's the most important thing, well, actually, it's not. The only important thing, it might be important, but boy, at the moment, it's coming at the expense of common sense that tells us, hey, we're going to have to stop and consider this more deeply because it does turn out that there are advantages for the transgender woman competing against biological women that really are going to make this very much an unfair competition. And that's why, of course, the Olympic Committee try to work out what kinds of rules are needed. Do we need to throw out our traditional understanding of all of this? Well, Dr. Taryn Knox and Professor Lindley Anderson from Otago University do tend to think that a big rethink is involved. They've written a research paper uh, with their research partner to try and suggest some uh, solutions, some ways forward. But frankly, friends, I am not sure that even their answers uh, are going to fly, but I'll let them explain what they think might be the way forward.
Yeah. Well, let's talk about two of the big kind of issues that frame the conversation. On the one hand is the idea of inclusion, and it's fair enough that everybody in our culture wants to find their place and their place where they can participate. But on the other side now, fairness is almost as if these two are in competition with each other. Can you play out how those are the big ideas in this conversation? Okay, so um, inclusion is really important, uh, regardless of um, you know where you come from or what group you belong to, um, inclusion is centrally important. And we all want to um, have, uh, you know, places for people to, and a space for people to uh, get involved in sport. We know that sport's important and we know that sports um, is good, you know, it's part of a healthy environment and so on. So we want to include people, but we've got to find a way that, that we can do that fairly. And um, so fairness is centrally important, uh, especially as we get further up the um, the sort of um, levels of sport and particularly in the elite level uh, and sub-elite to some extent. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out, of course, that these two do seem to collide with each other because on the one hand, it seems that most of us are quite happy to acknowledge people's desire to be known by a certain identity. It doesn't cost us a great deal to call someone her if that's what they wish to be called, even if we still have questions in our mind about how all of that really works. It's not too big an ask to be polite and inclusive when it's just at that sort of social level. But once we get into this competitive level, of course, suddenly we realize that actually some of the idea behind what it means to be a transgender person bumps into the science. In other words, that you might be born biologically uh, male, but you really can't reverse a lot of that if you become a transgender woman. Tell me about the science and the fact that there's a certain kind of advantage that those who are born biologically male may have forever. Yes, so um, we're not the scientists and our scientist um, co-author is unfortunately unwell. And so I'm, although we're not scientists, uh, we do know a little bit about the science. Um, so some of the things that um, that uh, is the basis of that uh, sort of um, advantage that um, males have over females, and that's evidenced by the um, by the uh, records, you know, the, you know, who the speed records, the, you know, weightlifting records, etc., cetera, uh, arise because of the um, exposure to testosterone, but also the, um, you know, uh, everything that about a male um, individual. And it means that the bones are bigger and the muscle growth is more and the position of the heart is different in the size of the heart, position of the lungs and the size of the lungs the amount of um, uh, hemoglobin you can carry, all of that kind of, uh, you know, sort of scientific basis uh, is, uh, is, is more likely in the, you know, in the male. You'll have all these things um, featuring in the male that will not be featuring for the female in, in quite the same way. And testosterone levels um, are significantly different. Now, prior to 2004, 15 or 2000, around 2015, the IOC, and this is how come this has become a bit of an issue now, the IOC changed their regulations. So prior to 2015, there were a whole lot of requirements on people who transitioned from male to female to be able to compete, or male to 
no, more female to male. But much, much, much less. Yes. yes. So um, nowadays uh, you do not have to have uh, gender reassignment surgery. You've just got to have testosterone lower than 10 nanomoles per litre for, um, for at least a year. Mm. And from a, you know, there are some good things about that change, those changes because not all trans people want to have surgery or it's not available in their part of the not world. E- and it's not easy to access even in places that do have it. Including um, New Zealand. Including New Zealand. So that, we, you know, we're not so much worried about that. Our concern is uh, the, the 10 nanomole cutoff. We think that's potentially too high to be fair. Yeah. Mm. So it's significantly higher than, than um, uh, what we would call cis women's testosterone levels. Right, and prior to that, of course, when uh, it was a requirement that the person had had gender reassignment surgery, their testosterone levels were much closer to a cis woman's. That's right. Uh, And of course, that's perhaps where this kind of unfairness is potentially out of control. Uh, I've seen it somewhere that when it comes to running the 100 metres, the top 10,000 male runners are faster than the world's fastest woman. And that includes some high school males, which just goes to show how big that gap is. Now, I'm interested, though, because, uh, Taryn, you made uh, a little side comment there about the fact that this issue really doesn't apply in reverse to trans men, to those who are born biologically a woman and then who want to live as a man. Now, they have a presumably then a biological disadvantage. So in our kind of idea about inclusion, where does this fit? Is this an issue that really only applies to trans women? It's an interesting question because uh, there is a... Um uh, it, it doesn't seem to make so much of a splash in the uh, male sporting arena to have a trans male in the male sporting arena. But if we're serious about fairness uh, and we want to think about how to include trans males, we would we need to think about this as well. And how how do we make a space for them? Because it is um, you know they are, uh, have a disadvantage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, there is some, um, I was just thinking about the effects of, um, uh, you know, lowering testosterone. Now, that's going to affect uh, some things. It will reduce some of that disparity between men and women. But you can't change the size of the bones and you can't change the size of the heart and lungs and the position of the heart and lungs, etc. You can't change some of this. Uh, regardless of how much hormone um, therapy you have. It is set. And so um, there are some um, vestiges of of advantage will remain for the trans women. Yes, and you've called this a sort of tolerable unfairness, an unfairness we can learn to live with, so to speak. But where do we work out where that line is, particularly given also, as you've pointed out in your uh, article, that different sports are not as affected by this unfairness. I mean, lawn bowls, as you use as an example, is not an area where testosterone levels are a great predictor of performance. So where do we work out where the line is? I think that's the $64,000 question. Uh, yeah, it is It is really, really difficult. Um, and, and that's why we came up with this idea that perhaps the way we think about it is flawed. So maybe we shouldn't be thinking about categories just for male and female. Maybe we should, you know, sort of somehow dismantle the... Um, the 
gender binary in sport or the sex binary in sport, we should call it. Maybe we should dismantle it. You know, we have categories for boxing. We have categories for, um, you know, all weightlifting. All sorts of sport has have um, more more nuanced categories. Maybe we should be doing the same for for sport generally and just get rid of the male to um, and female categories in sport. And that's why we came up with that algorithm at the end to sort of think about, well, you know, maybe we're just doing it all wrong. Maybe we need to be more inventive. What would you say to those who in response to that would say, surely that's kind of the tail wagging the dog, a very, very small group. I mean, the transgender community are a small group, even of the LGBTQ community itself. So this is a very small group and among them, elite athletes, an even smaller group of a smaller group deciding that we should all abandon uh, what has been our kind of traditional approach to competition to accommodate such a minority group. Yes, and that's one of the criticisms we've received. And I think, though, it doesn't just impact a small number of people. It could potentially, you know, a person like me, I'm short and round. I'm not athletically built whatsoever, you know. If we could somehow account for that, then I would be on a level playing field with someone who was more, you know, athletically gifted than myself. So... I'm not convinced it's only a small, it's only sort of applicable or it's only helpful to a small number of people. We'll talk about that nuance um, before we finish, because obviously the question there will be just how many different factors do you plug into the matrix before you decide? Because you've just added in a couple about whether you're short and whether you're round and you add to that whether you're a certain weight, a certain gender, a certain testosterone level and where does that stop? Mm -hmm. I wonder though about where the potential for kind of... Uh, some kind of abuse of that system also lives. Uh, I was wondering, for instance, uh, my wife actually asked, do you think it would be possible that given that there's money to be made in sport, that someone might actually decide to live as a woman knowing they could become a world champion and get a sponsorship deal? And what if at the end of their career, they decided to transition back to being a man? What would we do with these sorts of potentially bizarre outliers? Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't like to suggest that trans people are in, more into cheating than anyone else. I, well, I that's the point. That, the person who cheats in that scenario isn't genuinely a trans person. They're a yeah. cheater who've noticed something they could exploit. Well, that, that is possible. But that's, um, you know, uh, when we look across to the, dis, uh, you know, the Paralympians, and I think the Paralympians are a, a bit of a... Um, uh, a, a, a shining light here. Possibly we could look across to the Paralympians and this have you know, it was a bit of a um, mind-blowing situation for me. I was watching the um, the uh, Commonwealth Games in um, in Brisbane or in, on the Gold Coast and um, I noticed that they, they had the Paralympians competing alongside and they were in different races but they were all competing alongside and doing the marathon and the half you know whatever together and I thought wow this is this is cool this is this is the way it should be we're we're not pitching them against each other but we're including them and bringing them along and I think the Paralympians you know I I know that there has have been people who cheat in the Paralympians but uh, we just need to have better sort of ways of addressing that and ways of making that fair and, and the Paralympians have stepped up to that to some extent. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to add more? Oh, no, not really. Um, 
you know, you can find ways of getting around or choosing any system if you if you want to badly enough. I think ours makes it uh, a more difficult and b the payoff is less if you're looking at a range of different parameters. Then you have to be choosing on on multiple ones. So the likelihood of you being able to cheat and win is uh, it's reduced. In my limited reading, I've noticed that most of the rhetoric out of the transgender community has been around the the inclusion ideas. They said, hey, look, we've followed the rules as you've laid them out. Don't keep changing the rules. That doesn't seem very fair. We've, we've you know, played by the rules as you've uh, laid them out. But I, I don't see many examples of transgender athletes admitting, okay, I, I kind of get it that I have an advantage here that means I may be, in fact, a world champion in something that I never otherwise would have been able to be uh, so successful at. Is there an acknowledgement of this advantage? Quietly, there have been. Um, there have been people that have contacted um, our co-author and um, acknowledged that advantage. Um, and, that, you know, um, look, let's be honest, the the rules are as the rules are at the moment. And um, if, they meet, if they meet the rules, go for it. They should be able to play. Yes. What I don't buy in is that into is the idea that we shouldn't change the rules to uh, create more fairness. Mm. So I think that's a, a, a broader. Well, let's talk about those new rules of you, as you've suggested. And you've, I mean, I appreciate that in a sense, this is so complex. If we just boil it down to the inclusion versus a fairness argument, even I get stuck. I'm not sure which way to go. I can kind of be sympathetic to both sides of that argument. So the fact that you've suggested, what if we just stood back and, and rethought the whole thing? You know, there's some uh, validity to wanting to take a fresh perspective to a unique problem that we now face but when you've highlighted the fact that it could be more than weight categories it could be testosterone levels it could be other kind of physical attributes where do we stop how do we work out how many different things to plug it in and and how to weight those different things you know is your weight as big of an issue as your testosterone level as a big of an issue of your biological birth gender all of these things seem very complicated so i think what we what would have to happen is it would have to be sport related so an individual sport say swimming uh or you know um, athletics or whatever they would have to have their own way of and of determining what parameters should be included and what don't need to be included so, for example, you know, someone like uh, one of those elite um, Ian Thorpe or people like that, they have big feet, they've got big triangular bodies, they've got long, long arms with, you know, paddle, you know, like hands and feet, and, and away they go. Um, so we we need to think about what's important to a particular sport. That Those kind of features wouldn't be any good for, um, you know, possibly, you know, um, um, you know some forms of gymnastics or uh, or other kinds of um, kinds of um, you know uh, sporting uh, environments. When you look at Simone Biles, she's a tiny. Um, she's quite short when you compare her with um, you know an, um, a basketball player, for example. And um, so her physique uh, is perfect for gymnastics, and clearly she is because she's fantastic uh, compared to Ian Thorpe. You know, there's 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 body parameters that are more important for one sport than, than the other. So you'd have to calculate them per sport. And that that would be 
necessarily to include the sporting organisations and physiologists and um, and so on. And we are in the process of doing that, but it's such a, it's, like you say, it's so difficult that it's been what, nearly two years since this paper. And we're not finished. We're not finished the next bit. Yeah. So we totally acknowledge it's, it's yeah. very, very complex. I can't help but think as someone who grew up kind of secretly hoping to be an all black, you know, very specific sort of very Kiwi male uh, goal to have. Whether in the future world, it'll be anywhere near as kind of appealing to grow up dreaming that one day I'll be the under 65 kilo, transgender, low testosterone, big armed, small feet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's the categories will get so specific that will they lose their interest? Okay, well, I don't think it would necessarily be that specific. Um, and so one of the things we wanted to really avoid were, were three categories, male, female, and everybody else that doesn't fit into either of those. I think that's, I think that's not fair, and I think that's uh, putting trans people and so on at a real disadvantage. Um, they, uh, they, they won't be happy with that. And I, I can understand that completely. I, I wouldn't be happy with that either. Um, um, so we weren't thinking of three categories, but it, so it would be more than three, uh, but it wouldn't be um, hugely you know, nuanced in the way that you're saying. Yeah. More than three, less than 300. <laughs> more than three, less than 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but we, you cope with the categories in boxing. You cope with the categories in weightlifting. You're fine about that. So well, you know, they're only one dimension, though. It's just weight. That's yeah. all I have to worry about. Yeah, we are. We we do realise that it could change the nature of sport. You know, people like to watch. You know, the, the fastest, best athletes. You know. Mm. Um, we are aware of it, and we wouldn't want to have such fine-grained categories that you that we lose that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. To finish, I'd rather I'd like to take a sort of a step back, if we can, from the whole conversation and ask you, what have you learnt about the way in which we are? having these kinds of conversations. Uh, I've very much appreciated the way that we've been able to talk today. Uh, you know, we've been able to think through complex ideas without getting angry with each other. And you don't notice that, uh, unfortunately, we live in a world where we tend to get very angry very quickly. We have very entrenched positions. What have you learned about the social discourse? Well, um, we seem to have annoyed both sides. So that's... Um... <laughs> Uh, that shows that we've, 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 you know, we're we're looking into things. I think in some um, some good ways and in some good areas. But um, I think we need to have conversations where we hear each other, where we don't shut each other down, where we, um, um, you know, we look at the science and help get the science to help guide us and, and utilize that. What do you think? Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh... I think people are very strongly in one camp or the other, at least when we started this a few years ago. I think as time's gone on, my personal experiences, people are getting a bit better at doing this open conversation thing. It's by no means um, uncontroversial, and I still get flack, but I really appreciate that some people are starting to listen you know, a bit more. It's very, if you've got a very strong view, it's very hard to um, to stand back and look at the other person's side. So I really um, am thankful that people have started to be able to do that. 
Professor Lindley Anderson and Dr. Tara Knox from the University of Otago. I do appreciate their willingness to step into a very uncomfortable conversation and they're trying their best to come up with some answers to a very complex problem. I think one of the things that makes this problem even more complex is this reality that in fact even within the LGBTQ community this is a an issue only affecting one side. After all it's only transgender women who have the biological advantage. You notice there's no talk of transgender men because they have such a biological disadvantage that even the best transgender male is not going to be able to compete against biological males. And that means that this is very much a a one-sided issue. It's very much an oddity in that sense. It's an outlier. Now, that makes it all the more complex to deal with. But frankly, I can imagine that if we don't tighten up these rules, what's going to happen is that transgender women who would never have been able to be world champions will find themselves able to compete at the highest level and that the result of that will be that female athletes will probably decide there's no point being involved in sport and athletics anymore. I think you'll find a reduction in numbers of females participating in sport when they realize that actually you can't actually win in this scenario. It's just not possible. I'd love to know what you think the answer is because I'm stumped to be honest. I think all of these complex categories that are being suggested, too complicated, too difficult. And and frankly, uh, testosterone uh, is not one of those kind of features, I think, that we can easily start classifying around, uh, particularly when in this instance, the testosterone levels of the person involved is something that they are choosing rather than trying to mitigate for uh, biological inbuilt features. Things like weight in weightlifting and in boxing, well, they're connected to things like height, for example, so that shorter athletes with lighter bodies are able to compete against people whose bodies are similar. But they had nothing to do with really the fact that they were born in a smaller body. Okay, they might have some control over its weight. But I think that the fact that a lot of the issues we are talking about are not biological differences. They are chosen differences. I think that's where the complexity lies. Because if you can choose, then how is this fundamentally much different from other performance enhancing drugs? Because in many ways, a transgender woman taking drugs to suppress the testosterone levels to meet the criteria is a kind of performance enhancing drug with respect to elite sport. I know it's different, but it's also similar. And I think that's the problem is that we're trying to have drug free sport. Does that extend to people who are modifying their testosterone levels so that they can meet certain criteria? This is a complex issue with no easy answers. I certainly would like to hear your thoughts. You can visit the website activeintelligence.nz. Don't forget to subscribe. That way every episode will make it straight into your inbox. And I'd certainly love to hear your thoughts about this topic. We'll catch you next time on Active Intelligence.